Jenna Harner of WPXI is dating Mike DeFabo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Someone in that pair is settling. We all know who it is, but nobody said it. Crowley in for Madden, 412-333-9939 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Joel Quenville should not have coached for the Panthers last night in the wake of the findings of the Blackhawks investigation. I don't think he should be behind the bench again until a thorough investigation is completed into Quenville specifically. For those saying that the 2009-2010 Blackhawks should be taken off the Stanley Cup, that's punitive. I'm not sure what difference it really makes. Brad Aldrich, though... Yeah, get that mother bleeper's name off the cup. Dude should have been fired on the spot. All that, I think, would be similar to scrubbing the record books of Joe Paterno, no? Tearing down a statue, and I was all for that. But here's the deal. Instead of talking about punitive measures and punishments and yada, 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 I think it's important not to take our eyes off the ball here. Accusations of sexual assault need to be taken more seriously. We see it in college sports. We've seen it with the United States gymnastics in the Olympics. Those that choose to do nothing, they help perpetuate a cycle of abuse. We got to be better, period. And I'm not interested in diving any further into this topic, truthfully, not with you, the caller, because I don't want to have a cancel culture conversation. This ain't about that. It's about right and wrong, period. Josh Yowie going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He, of course, from The Athletic, will be talking about the Penguins with him, but also going to dive into what happened with the Blackhawks. I can have the conversation with him. With you, eh, I don't trust you. 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. But not about that. That's just a transition. It's 90s night at PPG Paints Arena. The Calgary Flames in town. Perhaps Jerome McGinley should drop the puck. I was born in 1990. I didn't really become self-aware until I was about 14, so I'm really unqualified to talk about the decade, though the Game Boy Color slapped. I'm also a basic bitch, and I love the show Friends. 412-333-9939. Tweet me your favorite things about the 90s at underscore Adam Crowley and... I will not read them on the air. Sidney Crosby's not going to play tonight. I think the Penguins should announce when Crosby is playing, I think, uh, about a full 48 hours before he comes back. PBG Paints Arena has only been filled to 86% capacity on the season. There were just about 15,000 people listed as being there on Tuesday. It didn't look like that much. They were there to watch the defending Stanley Cup champs and a team that hadn't yet lost in regulation. So the Penguins, like a lot of NHL clubs right now, they need help selling tickets. If the Penguins announced tomorrow morning that Crosby was going to play on Saturday night against the Devils, you know what? They might sell out. If they announce next Tuesday that he's playing Thursday against the Flyers, I bet it sells out. The Penguins have been bounced from the playoffs in the first round for three straight years. They dealt with limited capacity last season due to COVID. Every ticket sold counts right now. 
Now, I know that Mike Sullivan wouldn't like it. He loves to be mum on these situations, injuries and the like, but I think it's the right thing for the organization. I think David Morehouse should walk down there and say, hey, Sully, when Crosby's ready to go, give the peeps 48 hours notice so we can pack that barn. 412-333-9939. Steelers and Browns on Sunday. Halloween. Ooh, spooky. I really have grown to dislike Cleveland. Their fans today, and all days really, come at me on Twitter because I'm anti-Baker Mayfield. I think he's just a guy. And by the way, Mike Tomlin agrees with me on that. Last year, the Browns were improved. The Steelers played them the first time, and Mike Tomlin went out of his way to make the team sound like the 1970s Steelers. This guy's been so much better. The scheme's better. That's better. And he said Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. This week, Mike Tomlin said Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, eh, it's one and the same. The Browns are going to do the same thing. So Mike Tomlin agrees with me that Baker Mayfield's just a guy. But yet Browns fans come at me all the time. They walk around thinking they're hot shiz, despite having won exactly nothing since they've gotten back into the league. I put up a poll on my aforementioned Twitter account. Which AFC North team do you dislike the most? The Ravens have won that poll going away. It's like 58% Ravens, 37% Browns. I get it. The Ravens are the true peers. They've been Super Bowl winners, playoff contenders just about every year, like the Steelers. This might be recency bias, but I don't like them brownies. I'm not rubbed the wrong way by this version of the Ravens the way that I was back when Ray Lewis was there. I'm not rubbed the wrong way by the Bengals the way that I was when Vontez Perfect was there. But Miles Garrett swings a helmet at the quarterback. Baker Mayfield's always yapping his gums. Likewise with Jarvis Landry and OBJ. I don't like the Browns. I don't like their fans. I don't like their city. Your thoughts? 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to stop the run on Sunday. The Browns have the best offensive line in football, certainly the best run-blocking line in football, and the Steelers are going to counter with something called Isaiah Bugs, Chris Warmly, Isaiah Loudermilk. Not good. If the Steelers don't stop the run, they ain't going to win. Thus, I don't think the Steelers are going to win. More on that over the course of the three hours today. Jerry Dulack of the Post-Gazette going to join us at 4.30. We'll get his expert opinion on Steelers and Browns. Melvin Ingram, he wants out. This is according to Ian Rappaport and Aditi Kinkabwala from the NFL Network. Ingram has one sack in six games. He's said to be nursing a groin injury, though. I don't think he actually is. Now, Aditi cited a lack of playing time being the reason that Melvin Ingram wanted out. But, buddy... You knew coming in that you weren't going to play a lot. We all knew that Alex Highsmith was going to be the starter. One of the quotes that came out of Melvin Ingram's mouth when he was signed was, he knows his role on this team. Well, clearly he doesn't. Clearly he was sold a bill of goods, or more likely, he thinks he's better than he is, 
and he wants to go somewhere where he can flex his muscles a little bit, like Kansas City, where they need all the help they can get on defense. The Steelers absolutely should not trade Melvin Ingram. There's a reason why Melvin Ingram was available on July 20th, and it's that he's a backup, a valuable backup. And the Steelers, let's face it, they've got depth issues on the defensive front. The Steelers' defensive line, as I mentioned, has guys like Isaiah Loudermilk. They are one injury to T.J. Watt or an injury to Alex Highsmith away if they don't have Melvin Ingram from absolute, utter, complete disaster. You can't trade the guy just because he wants out. They're absurdly thin on defense. You can't be playing without Tuit, Alu-Alu, and Watt or Highsmith and instead be playing Derek Tuska. Tuska. I don't even know how to say the guy's name. You can't trade Melvin Ingram just because he's unsatisfied. Buddy, you got a contract. You gots to comply. 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, I do not think the Steelers are going to win on Sunday. And I'll give you one reason why. Crowley in for Madden, 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, dang, but I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh... Wait, what? DX at 105.9. Kasperi Kapanen has zero goals in six games. He's done a really good job of painting the glass at PPG Paints Arena. Jake Gensel has just one goal in four games. If the Penguins are going to keep winning games with a banged-up roster, they're going to need more production from two guys who are supposed to be fixtures in their top six. Josh Yoey, he's going to join me at 3.30 to discuss that and more. Crowley in for Mark here on your home of the Penguins. It's 90s night! OJ, Game Boys, I don't really know that much about the 90s. But maybe Josh Yoey does. It's the Steelers and Browns on Sunday afternoon, and, well, I think Pittsburgh's run defense is going to be their downfall. Jedrick Wills, Jedrick, whatever, top 10 pick, left tackle. Joel Batonio, early second-round pick. J.C. Treader signed a $32 million contract in 2019. He's their center. He's a stud. Wyatt Teller was a second-team All-Pro last year. Jack Conklin, a first-team All-Pro last season. The Browns' line is healthy. They have pedigree. They were missing their tackles last week and ran it down the Broncos' throats. Meanwhile, the Steelers have Cam Hayward and Isaiah Bugs, Chris Warmly, Isaiah Loudermilk. Advantage Cleveland, and in a big way, Nick Chubb should be back this week for Cleveland. He's fourth in the league in rushing despite missing two games. He's averaging 5.8 yards per carry. That's a full two yards more than Najee Harris. And I think Najee Harris has been good. But even if Chubb isn't back, or if he's like 50%, like a half Chubb, Dearness Johnson ran 22 times for a buck 46 in his first career start last week against the Broncos. Dearness Johnson, not the pedigree of a Najee Harris. In his best game, better than Najee Harris' first-round pick has put out there on the field for the Steelers this season. That's because of the offensive line. Their offensive line is dominant. Going into the bye, I thought the Steelers were going to get healthy. I thought the Browns were too banged up. 
But the Browns' whole line is back. Chubb looks like he'll be back. They may get Baker back. And the Steelers needed one guy to get healthy during the bye week. One guy, specifically. And he didn't get healthy. And that man is Stefan Tuitt. I heard Bob Labriola, he was on Steelers Nation Radio yesterday, and he said usually when someone's getting close to being close to returning, there's a sniff. If you're getting close to being close, Bob's going to know, there's going to be word, the media's going to have an idea. Bob said he's not even getting a sniff that he's close to being close. So I'm not optimistic on Stefan Tuitt coming back necessarily even this year, but if he does... What version of Stefan Tuitt are you going to get? That's besides the point. You don't have him this week. If the Steelers did have a healthy Tuitt to pair with a dominant Cam Hayward, then, yeah, I'd feel better about their chances to win this game. But as it stands right now, I think the Browns are going to run it down the Steelers' throats. Pittsburgh gave up 111 rushing yards to the Seahawks in the third quarter on Sunday night football. Not to beast mode. 111 rushing yards. These brownies, folks... They ain't the Seahawks. I don't really know what the Steelers can do about it either. They have who they have on the defensive line. And it's easy to say, hey, mm, just play better, but they can't. Maybe we'll see more Robert Spillane as he's sadly the Steelers' best rush defender at the inside linebacker position. But it's not just that the Browns are going to kill you with their line. They're going to throw multiple tight ends at the Steelers. That means the Steelers are going to have to defend more gaps. They'll hit you with that zone blocking scheme. I just think the Steelers are in big trouble against the run. Here's my hope, though. Two things. The Steelers, if they could get a lead, perhaps you could force the Browns to throw. Though Seattle fell behind two scores and they ran to get back in the game. The second hope is that the Steelers can create negative plays. Even if Cleveland gashes them from time to time on the ground, can the Steelers get the Browns in a second and 12 or a third and eight by creating negative plays? The Steelers' defense does have 34 tackles for loss in six games. That's a pretty good number. The Browns have 33 in seven games, just as a reference. Get the Browns into passing situations. That's how the Steelers can manage. That's how the Steelers could potentially win this game. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Joe first up from Oakmont. You're talking to Crowley. Hey, Joe. Hey, what's up, Crowley? How you doing? Delightful. You know, we're talking about that Ingram trade thing, I, I know that he wants out and you can't give everyone what they want, but obviously we're no Super Bowl contender this year. Get something to put together toward the future. Maybe get out there, get a lineman, get a fifth or a sixth for him. If people are going to give it for him, I mean, dude only has one back. It's not like the second coming of right. somebody. But, you know, I mean, you figure it out and try to build on something else. And you're 100% with this run defense issue. It's a problem. Devin Bush and Schobert, they do not support in the run zero, and you got backup linemen in there. They do nothing. They just stand there flat-footed. They catch everything. They don't take read step. They play seven yards off the football on first down. What middle linebacker does that? Joe, I love you. Thank you for the call. He just dropped a Dan in there. That dude right there is Pittsburgh. He was totally right on everything he said about the run. And I know that Devin Bush is playing behind not great defensive lineman, with the exception of Cam Hayward, who's all-world. But, bro, I don't care. You're the 10th overall pick. Steelers traded up for you, man. You gots to be better. Dale Lawley just wrote a piece, and I only saw the headline, that said the Steelers need Devin Bush to be the 10th overall pick in the draft, good Devin Bush. And we really haven't seen that guy as a Steeler. 
So I think it's wishful thinking to believe he could do that this week. As for Melvin Ingram, what are you really going to get for him? A fifth or a sixth? I'd rather keep him and see if the Steelers can sniff the playoffs this year than get a fifth or a sixth round pick. I really would. I, I don't want the Steelers to fall out of favor. I don't want the Steelers to be truly terrible this year because it's not like you're tanking for a generational kind of quarterback. It tells me everything I need to know about this quarterback class in the upcoming draft that Kenny Pickett has been able to rise through just seven games of a college season to being the number one guy on Mel Kuyper's big board. And that's no knock against Kenny Pickett. I think he's a first-round talent. I think he's bearing that out right now. But I don't think he's a generational talent. And if you're tanking, at least in my opinion, you tank for a quarterback, and I don't think there's any quarterbacks worth tanking for right now. So keep Melvin Ingram, at the very least, to just shut people up about the Steelers kowtowing the guy's demands as well. Like, Eric Blunt gets traded, right? Or released, I should say. James Harrison gets released. They go on, they do bigger and better things. I don't want that to happen for Melvin Ingram. You come here, you come here for a year, honor your mother bleeping contract, especially when Mike Tomlin spelled it out for you when he got brought in. You know what, buddy? You're not going to be the starter. Nah, don't cave to his demands. That's just another bullet in the gun for people who want to criticize Mike Tomlin and say, eh, he always bows down to the player. The inmates, they run the asylum. No, 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 no. Don't bow down to Melvin friggin' Ingram. And Melvin, if you want to play more, have more than a sack in six games. You want to play more? He has three sacks in game one or three sacks in game two. Guess what, brah? You're playing. But you didn't because he ain't that good anymore. Much more on all that later on in the show. Up next, Josh Yoey of The Athletic to talk about the Blackhawks situation, but also about the Penguins and where they sit right now. Crowley, in for double M, on your home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. So, uh, what's happening? He's a little guy. Huh? What? I'd love to get the ball to say what you want to say. Very good point. The X at 105.9. Crowley in for Madden, Josh Yoey covers the Penguins for The Athletic. He's brought to us by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner, and Cross Country Mortgage Heat joins us now. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, buddy. Thanks, buddy. How are you? Doing okay. I want to talk Penguins with you, obviously, but you reached out via text to say that you were comfortable and perhaps eager to talk about the Blackhawks situation and what's spilling over to the NHLPA, and, of course, what's going on in Florida right now. So before I ask you any specific questions on that, I'll just give you the floor with what you've been thinking when this all came out yesterday. Yeah, I just figured it was important that we talked about it. I, I don't think we should be ignoring this topic right no. now. Uh, I, I love hockey as much as anybody. I did not watch one second of NHL hockey last night, but... I sure as hell watched the 25-minute interview with Kyle Beach on TSN. Yeah. And I think everybody should watch it, no matter how hard it is to watch. And it is hard to watch, but I think it's important, if, if you're a decent human being in any way, to watch the, the guts that that guy had to come out and tell that story. Uh, he's not doing that for financial gain. Uh, he's doing that because he's very clearly a good person who felt obligated, I think, to, to tell his story to try to help others. 
Um, it's so much bigger than the game. It's so much bigger than anything else we could talk about. And it's just an explosive, awful story. And I know you're going to ask me about this, so I'll just say it now. Uh, the fact that Joel Quenville coached last night is so repulsive to me on so many levels. And I saw people calling it tone deaf, and it is, but it's it's more than being tone deaf. Yes. It, it's inappropriate. The fact that the Florida Panthers thought it was okay, and that Gary Bettman didn't call him and say, hey, we're meeting tomorrow. Maybe you shouldn't coach tonight, pal. And then, worst of all, that Joel Quenville himself, yeah, I'm going to go coach tonight despite all of this going on. That That's all you need to know, really. And I don't think he should coach another game. I would say that he wouldn't, but this is the NHL, so you don't know. Um, but couldn't have been a worse look last night with him behind the bench. And then to not even speak with the media afterwards. Bingo. It's one of the most gutless things I've ever witnessed. I, 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 was, I couldn't believe when I saw people, it was George Richards, a good friend of mine who covers the Panthers, he, he tweeted out that, you know, Joel Quinville won't be speaking with the media tonight. Like, are you kidding? You have the arrogance to go coach a hockey game? Then you can't answer a few questions afterwards about what's going on. Um, Josh, if you you're know. the head coach of a hockey club, under any circumstances, if you're going to coach that night, you need to be speaking after the game. But under these mm-hmm. circumstances, it's abhorrent that he would run away with his tail between his legs he put hockey first, and hockey was clearly the only thing that mattered. I know your colleague Sean Gentilly put out a screen grab on Twitter where the Florida Panthers broadcast had the graphic up of how many games Joel Quenville had won in his NHL coaching tenure. I would be interested to hear the tone and tenor of the broadcast when they were discussing Joel Quenville. But this is all a culture problem, and not just in the NHL, obviously, but with sexual abuse and reporting sexual abuse. And then when I'm hearing Beach talk about this on TSN, the the idea that players knew about it and then were using homophobic slurs to address him on the ice afterwards. I mean, there's not there's not a single person in the organization that can deny, deny, deny here because we're all wiser now. Yeah, we are, and and you've seen players coming out now. Not the big names. In fact, Taves made some rather regrettable comments last night. I thought. Yep. Um, but some of the guys who were fellow Black Aces. Um, on those Blackhawks teams have now come out and said, yeah, we all knew. Said every word this guy is saying is true. There's a guy named Sean Lalonde who still plays overseas, I believe. I actually got to know him a little bit. My ex-wife and her family knew him when he played junior hockey, and I've, I've, I've met him a few times. Nicest guy in the world. Um, real straight shooter. Like He came out today and said, yeah, of course it's true. We all knew about it. Um, I, I believe every word he says. Um, just staggering stuff. And it just seems like everyone who is still affiliated with the Blackhawks refuses to show any accountability at all. And it's not like we haven't known about this story. I mean, these details have been out for a little while. Now, mm-hmm. There are obviously new findings with the Quinville information and some other stuff of the report that came out the other day. But this, to me, is one of the worst stories in the history of professional sports. I, I mean that sincerely. And we know how the Penn State... Sandusky story rocked the whole world, frankly, a decade ago, and I don't like to compare anything to this, or to that, rather, but let's be honest. There's a lot of similar elements here, mm-hmm. and the negligence that these people showed, not only did you have adult males being abused, 
But because of how it was handled, this guy, you know, basically was enabled to later abuse children. And to me, as a society, there's there's nothing more important than protecting children. Nothing. Yes. And the Blackhawks failed in so many ways. And they still released their statements yesterday about their commitment to winning championships. Like, talk about a microcosm, the whole problem. <laughs> which, oh my God. which not only was it listed in the statement, it was listed first. It was listed first. Yeah. I mean, wh- oh yeah, how about that? I mean, you want to talk about not reading a, a situation? Josh Yoey oh. joining me, Adam Crowley filling in for Mark Madden here on one hundred five nine. The X. You're right. I mean, one of the heart wrenching, tear jerking things to come out of the interview last night was Beach blaming himself that oh. that there's another victim there in this, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm I'm talking about sexual abuse culture. And I can talk about this. I mean, I was I was raised in the Catholic Church, right? And you know, my family's a lot of them still practicing Catholics. But I mean, what happens here is. A similar thing to what we found out that's happened thousands of times. So sadly, in that institution, and that's oh, you know what? We'll just move. We'll just move them over here, right? Just look the other way. Move them over here, and then more victims obviously have to go through that hell as well. Uh, what about the players' association in this, Josh? Well, yeah. Getting back to what you said, real quick, and I, I know some people listening have seen the video, and some haven't. But uh, there was about halfway through, I think, when Beach just broke down. Mm-hmm. And that was the part, that's the hardest part to watch. I almost got emotional watching it myself um, when, when he said just the shame that he felt for not speaking out earlier to help others. Uh, my God, if you know anything about abuse, you know that the abuse doesn't end on the day that the physical abuse stops. And that certainly was, a, excuse me, a very telling example. Um, as for the Players Association, you know, Donald Fair, um, he, he released, it's been a great week for arrogant statements being released because you can never count him out of the equation. He certainly uh, released one and showed very little credibility or accountability. Um, I'm not so sure that he should be employed right now. Well, what has the Players Association done to help? Because he clearly, he you know, there's evidence that in 2010, he went to the Players Association and told them what happened. Yep. It's 2021, Adam. 11 years. Nothing. Like, what? <laughs> what was going on here? Um, it just it, it baffles me, and I often find that the Players Association in hockey doesn't really look out for its players in a number of ways. Like if Tom Wilson cheap shots somebody and hurts the guy, the only thing the Players Association cares about is Tom Wilson not getting suspended. Yep. Really, that, that, that's all we hear about. They never talk about the guy who got hit from behind and whose career might be over. You never hear about stuff like that. So they're, And I realize that's on a much smaller scale than what we're talking about, but their priorities always seem to be out of whack. And... You know, they were clearly as negligent as anybody here. Their job is to protect, again, to protect the players. And you have a player being sexually assaulted in his own locker room, and you have his teammates using homophobic slurs to taunt him. Um, and there's evidence of this. And I, I don't know that we've ever heard of a story quite like this. I don't understand. I can't wrap my head around simply just not doing the right thing in this circumstance or if you look at Penn State doing the right thing there if you look at United States gymnastics or Michigan State gymnastics I just I can't fathom doing the wrong thing when it should be so obvious what the right thing is and if the argument is well it's going to derail the day-to-day operations of our job so what I mean for for frig's sake what do you think's going to happen when it does come to the light of day, because this stuff comes out now. I mean, it comes out. 
I, I just I can't fathom thinking that this Aldrich guy is worth protecting on uh, for any any potential reason. Like I just I can't wrap my head around the why. I, I just can't. No, I, I I can't either. I've I've never cared less about the league than I do at this moment, and about them protecting themselves. And as gruesome as all the details are, I'm, I'm glad they came out. It's a good thing that people have the courage to come out and say things. Kyle Beach, that guy's a hero to me. He really is for what he did. And we've seen with other abusive victims, the gymnastics members, uh, you know, so many of them have had the courage to come out and tell their stories. And that makes other people come out and tell their stories. And that draws awareness. And that's a, a very important piece of this. And yet the National Hockey League just continues I don't even know how to describe them. If, if it's just pure ignorance, if they're bad people, arrogance, whatever the case may be. But, man, it's just not a pretty picture right now in any fashion, no matter how you look at it. No, it's not. Meanwhile, we got teams trying to trade for Deshaun Watson in the NFL. So yeah. it's a it's a societal problem. <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah. it's disgusting. But I'm with you on the NHL's handling of this and the Blackhawks in particular and Florida. I mean, it's just... It's a mess, and everybody has stain on them. Josh Yowie joining me, Adam Crowley, here on your home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. There's no way for this not to be a clumsy transition, but the attendance is down around the National Hockey League, and I would I would suspect a lot of that has to obviously do with the pandemic and being inside and financial uh, limitations of people and, hey, maybe dead season ticket holders. I mean, I'm sure there's a better way I could phrase that, but I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. Um, but transitioning to what this means for the Penguins, I said this yesterday when I was on with Tim, and I said it to start the show. If I'm the Penguins, I give 48 hours notice before Sidney Crosby's coming back to help sell some tickets. What do you think? Yeah, I do too. And uh, it's you know it's not a dire situation for them. Clearly, their revenue is not going to be what it normally is uh, this season. We know that. Um, as long as Ron Burkle and Mario Lemieux don't mind you know, throwing a couple of million out here and there. Uh, I don't think we'll notice any changes. I think they'll keep spending to the salary cap. But, yes, I would certainly be uh, prioritizing, uh, trumpeting Sidney Crosby's return. Uh, we know he's not playing tonight. Um, it, it, you know, He hasn't been ruled out for Saturday against the Devils. But you know, while we're talking about Crosby, to me, it makes a lot more sense. If you look at the schedule, after Saturday, they don't play again until next Thursday. Yep. You get to him almost another full week of practice. And and wouldn't it be fun to bring them back against the Flyers next Thursday night at home? That that to me makes the most sense. You give them another week, only one more game during that stretch. Um, but he obviously will not be a bad thing for attendance. And I think there's a lot of factors in their attendance issues. I think the pandemic is first and foremost. Um, but they also had a boring summer and didn't have the stars on hand when the season started. Uh, things will kick up a little bit when he returns, I have no doubt. Josh, last thing here for you. I think if the Penguins are to have success, continued success, with the lineup being in disarray, you simply need more from Kasperi Kapanen, and I think you need more than one goal in five games from Jake Gensel, too. Yeah, there's no question. Kapanen's taken a lot of heat. He was awful the other night. He's one of those guys, when, when he has a bad game, you notice, it just jumps out at you. And He, he was lazy the other night. I didn't like his game at all. He has a tendency to get on the coaching staff's nerves a little bit from time to time, and you saw why. But I'm glad you mentioned Gensel, and I have a lot of respect for Jake. He's a great hockey player. Not only does he have one goal in five games, but he's been quiet. I'm not noticing him enough. And, you know, he's healthy. That shouldn't be an issue. And I know that his centers 
his preferred centers aren't available right now, but he needs to elevate his game a little bit. If he doesn't, you know, he's still going to fall under that, uh, you know, that, that thinking that uh, Crosby makes him to some extent. Maybe that's not fair to Gensel, but if he's going to be this quiet without him, that, that, that's a stigma he's going to have to deal with. Yep, you're totally right on that. And I've never been someone who buys into Gensel as a Crosby creation. It obviously helps playing with 87, no doubt about that. But uh, you want to score more than a goal here uh, if you're going to get people off your back on that one. not passing the eye test either. He just isn't right now. No, he's not. Uh, Josh, this was a more somber conversation than they usually are, but I think for good reason. Thanks for having it with me, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks, Adam. Take care. That is Josh Yowie of The Athletic, brought to us by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner, and by Cross Country Mortgage. Up next, the Penguins issue they're having with attendance is not just a Penguins issue. It's a league issue. I'll explain Crowley in for Mark, 105.9. Well, housing lender. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. This is Bob Hope. Hi, this is. How you doing? Oh, boy, man. You know what? Why? Call back when you're coherent. The X at 105.9. This segment sponsored by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Crowley in for Madden. We have plenty of time to talk about the Penguins attendance problems and the league-wide attendance problems, but let's stick with the Blackhawks story for a moment. Let's go to Joe in South Hills. What's up, Joe? Hey, how you doing? i got two serious questions for you about the Blackhawks. The first question I have, uh, do you think possibly um, the Blackhawks will be suspended for the season they can't play no games and lose revenue over this because i mean it's going to hurt the fans i understand that but the it just seemed like the whole organization knew about this um and never did anything about it you know when penn state did this there was a lot of talk about them getting a death sentence and them not being able to have the football i understand where you're coming from joe what's your what's your second topic because i'll address them both yeah and the the I saw the guy's interview. He looked like a big guy. I mean, I don't know who who was involved in in, the, in, the, in this um, uh, abuse, but if somebody would, would abuse me that way as a grown man. Yeah, and thanks for the call, Joe. I mean, the, the circumstances of sexual abuse. I don't need to hear about how you're such a grown man that you would never let something like that happen to you. I mean, there's obviously a power dynamic there, and this is why I didn't want to take calls on the subject, and then I did so anyway. Well, that's my fault. But as for the Blackhawks and getting the death penalty and equating it to Penn State and all that. Look, we can talk about the punitive damages that everyone involved should pay, but I think that that takes the eye off the ball. We can talk about, oh, punish Joel Quenville, and I think he deserves to be punished, or, oh, punish Donald Fair, and I do think he deserves to be punished, but I think the important thing here is that we talk about sexual abuse and in organizations where there are power dynamics, these things happen way more than we think. And when you get an inkling or you are told outright that something like this is happening, it needs to supersede everything else. Nothing should be more important than that. And to go back to what Josh always said in the last segment, when these things get hushed up and then people move on, it then creates other dynamics where similar things happen to other victims. So we can talk about the punitive stuff. We can talk about punishment and all that. Fine. But we need to, as a society, understand that when there are accusations of this level coming out, then things need to be done. 
like actual tangible actionable things need to be done not allowing a guy to be around the teams to start not allowing Jerry Sandusky to have an office on campus stuff like that is a start but it needs to be taken seriously and in too many of these instances it's not 4123339939 let's go to Cole in Indiana with a clumsy transition hey Cole Hey, Crowley, just a question about the Watt brothers. You saw J.J. out for the year now with the uh, shoulder surgery. And, uh, you know, T.J.'s had his problems, too. But, you know, you take a look at those guys from uh, high school and college and their physical transformation to now. Uh, you know, do you think the Steelers made the right move signing uh, T.J. for the long term? I mean, his brother's breaking down. Yes, thanks for the call. Some people are actually saying that brothers are different people. Now, TJ and JJ are different guys. Why can't Cooper Manning throw the ball 65 yards down the field to Marvin Harrison? Why can't Cooper Manning beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl? Because he's not his brother. What happens to JJ Watt, I don't think, is relevant to TJ Watt. They're different people. They play different positions. They have different body types. And maybe the question is hey, they played for so long in high school and in college. Are they going to break down? Okay, well, who in the NFL ain't playing that much? They all are. No, the Steelers were smart to pay one of the best defensive foot players in football the money they paid him. And we saw the reason why as he won the game against the Seahawks on Sunday night. 412-333-9939. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Back in 30 seconds. Crowley in for Mark 105.9.